0: In this episode, we wait out there with T. Nguyen from Salt Lake City, Utah. As long as T. can remember, he has had a love of all kinds of games. T. was raised in California, studied philosophy in school, and moved to Utah to work as a philosophy professor at the University of Utah. He started fly fishing to help counteract some of the negative aspects of the new remote teaching environment that arose during the pandemic and fell in love with the sport and its congruence with his work in the philosophy of games. He is the author of the book. Games Agency as Art. This episode is a deep dive into the philosophy of fly fishing. We discuss why we play the game of fly fishing, how fly fishing can be an infinite game, and a little bit about T's experience learning to fish on the Provo River. Welcome to the Wade Out There Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Shemchuk. At Wade Out There, we believe fly fishing is special, but not elite and that anyone can become a great fly fisher if they are willing to go, learn, and teach. Join me as I talk with other fly fishermen and women about their unique journeys into fly fishing, the rivers they fish, and the tactics and philosophies they practice. For those who can never leave the river in their hearts, this podcast is dedicated to helping you make the memories that keep us all coming back to wait out there. Welcome, T. Thanks for being on the Wait Out There podcast. Thanks, man. I'm excited to talk to you about the philosophy of games, and I wanted to say thank you for sending me a little sneak peek of the book that you've got coming out. Uh, I don't know if that is—I I feel very privileged to have seen that. I don't know if you send that to everybody, but I was like, wow, I'm getting the early edition type thing, you know? No, you—you you,
1: you got what the book that's already out. That's the 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 game's philosophy official book. I have a new book I'm writing that is I couldn't send you because it's unwritten and is it's in <laughs> your brain. Chaos and sorrow.
0: It's in your brain. Okay, yeah. well then maybe I don't feel, special yeah, don't feel as special as I did before. Okay, but uh, I still felt special just, uh, reading it, and I have a lot of questions from that little excerpt about games and your thoughts and how they relate to fly fishing. But I will say the, the thing that struck me as I was reading that is how did this even get started? Like, how did your brain go to this place? Because you are thinking deeply about games and fly fishing, because we've talked before the show a little bit via correspondence and email. I, and I know that fly fishing, you're a passionate angler. So I see you interacting between the two. How did you first get started in this? philosophy of games tell me about your like academic background how it got there and maybe a little bit about how the fly fishing kind of flowed into that
1: so um i well i I grew up playing games of every kind right like i grew up playing computer games video games board games i tried to learn to fish when i was a kid out of like raw passion after i like caught a single fish under the tutelage of my uncle and i failed completely um But then I went to graduate school and I was like trained to be a totally normal philosopher and asked questions like, what is knowledge? And, you know, (laughs) what is the good? And I I did that. What Um, is good? Yeah. yeah. But one thing thing that you weren't supposed to study, it used to be a topic, but people really don't care about it anymore much, is aesthetics, which is the philosophy of beauty and art. Um, And I loved it, but they told me not to do it. And- uh, like also, there was no there was not really a field called the philosophy of games. It's not something you study. it's not serious right. I've come to think that it's actually really weird that in the world, we don't spend a lot of time talking about things like play and fun and joy, and we spend a lot of time talking about things like outcomes and productivity and efficiency anyway why
0: is that why is that odd to you
1: uh Because fun is important because play is like a crucial part of human life. And then like you would think that the philosophers who I'm supposed to be part of, who care about the meaning of life would have written something a little bit about play and fun and spend some time talking about like what it like the joy of beautiful experiences. But that's almost like vanished from the landscape.
0: And are you doing all this down in Salt Lake? Is that where you're from? Or where did where did you end up?
1: I'm from California. I went to grad school in UCLA. And, uh, you know, I finished grad school. I got a job. My first job was Utah Valley University down uh, down in Orem, Utah. And uh, I got there. And I just like was sick of working on all the things I was working on that were boring to me. And I kind of at some point had this like divorce from my profession. I was like, screw you. I know you don't care about what I'm interested in. So I'm just going to write about whatever. And what I cared about at the moment is I had read a couple things about video games as an art form. And like, they all made me angry. They all were talking about how video games were like movies or cinema. And I was like, this is not what it's about. It's not like the heart of games. Like if you're thinking about games, you have to be thinking about decisions and skills and absorption and actions and like getting better and like making choices and agency. Uh, Agency. Yeah.
0: <laughs> We're gonna um, talk about that later a little bit. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you, you're out in California and you've got this background, but you're kinda of suppressing it a little bit, yeah. Yeah. it sounds like. And then you yeah. come out to Utah, you got your first big boy job, you're out there <laughs> doing what you're supposed to be doing, and you're like, I still don't feel right. And yeah, so I do not feel right. You transition so start- over to your passion.
1: Yeah. So I started writing about started writing about games and I found this book. Um, Bernard suits the grasshopper, which we're going to talk about because it's so important. Okay, uh, and it gave me this this understanding of what games were, and I just started writing this stuff that about like why we play games, about why we take on unnecessary challenges, about why we do like a lot of the games we play are just if you there's a certain standpoint from which it's just idiotic, right? You spend all this time and energy on nothing. I think fly fishing is one of the clearest. Places because you spend all this time and energy, you spend all this grit, you catch the fish and then you let it go. Yeah. yeah. And when you try to tell someone who doesn't do this kind of thing, you're like, oh, I tie these flies and I like, you know, did this incredibly precise cast and I was hunting all day and I got the fish and they're like, did you eat it? And you're like, no, I let it go. And the natural reaction people have is, why the hell would you do this with your life?
0: I think that's true. I think that part of that is cultural too, because there's a big part of American culture that it was, we grew up, we hunt, we fish, and there was just, that was never part of the culture. You know, when, even when I was a kid, we kept most all the fish. I mean, when I was really little, like, I don't remember ever really releasing a fish just because, you know, I mean, maybe if it was really small, because it wasn't going to feed me well or something like that. And it was usually when I was camping or backpacking that we were doing that. So I guess in hindsight, it didn't seem as much, but now I think that, yeah, I think that people still kind of have that mindset a little bit, but I also, I never thought of it from that perspective of, you know, the, the game of fishing and then why it feel like if, if somebody's looking at it from that viewpoint, yeah, it doesn't make any sense why you wouldn't. That's like the the end of the game, right? But that's not the end of the game. That's, that's not the end. That's not the point.
1: I mean, there's something similar in rock climbing too. Like, Yeah. You know, I, I'm also a rock climber. I've been cl- rock climbing much longer than fly fishing. And rock climbing is also absurd. Like you pick yeah. something incredibly difficult. You climb up, you fall, you like figure out through sweat and tears and precision this path up this cliff. And then you get to the top. You're like, yay! And then you lower off to the bottom.
0: Well, yeah. What about this? I, I was thinking about this a little bit, and I want to talk more about your fly fishing and how you got started in fly fishing. But while we're on this topic, you know, I, I see a resurgence in the popularity of difficult things. I mean, Iron Man, everybody's there's ultra marathons now, and the popularity of these tough mutters and things. And yeah. I wonder if those things are not coming from, and even the. Re- Fly fishing, the popularity of fly fishing, like you said, rock climbing, fly fishing, something that's difficult. And why are people being drawn to that? I wonder if it's a lack of that kind of difficulty in normal life, whether, I mean, everybody thinks, and and everybody has their own issues and problems and things going on in their lives. And I've got mine, you've got yours, but I mean, if your basic needs are met, where's that difficulty coming from?
1: Yeah, that's okay. There's So this book, Bernard Seuss's book, The Grasshopper, my favorite book in the philosophy of games, he has this, the grand finale it's this argument where he says, imagine utopia where all our practical problems are solved. What would we do with our lives? We would play games or would we, we would be bored out of our minds. And then he says, if what we do in utopia is play games, then games must be the
0: meaning of life right <laughs> it's getting heavy we're only yeah, uh no. we're only eight minutes in but i we're on the meaning of life i like you
1: got it a philosopher on your show man um, that's right but yeah so th- there that's that's the more abstract way to put it i i do think that there's a lot of ways in which um work for a lot of us our work lives have been carefully engineered to be more and more repetitive and boring and fit Executing standardized tasks and standardized rules that you have no control over. And what games are are like these alternate environments where you pick a goal and you pick what you get to do and you shape the activity. And often a lot of us shape the activity Activity that has a lot more freedom, a lot more agency, a lot more complex decision making, a lot more difficulty. But it also depends on like what's the opposite of – like so I – I have friends who, you know, that who work like as prep cooks in a kitchen and they work with their hands a lot. And the game they want when they get off work is like, they're like, I'm I'm not thinking enough abstractly. So they'll play like chess or they'll play Go. Me, my job is so verbal. I'm like spending all of my time like teaching and writing and writing evaluations to students and reading student work. The one I want a game. I want a difficult game that has no words in it at all. Yeah, and for me, that's like rock climbing and fly fishing.
0: So, when did you get into fly fishing? I mean, was this simultaneous with your renaissance into your passion in philosophy?
1: No, totally. So, I actually had a false start with fly fishing. I let's see, I you know I've listened to your show a lot, and a lot of your guests are like my parents. Brought me up fishing. I've never fished. It's a common boat. theme. It's a common
0: yeah. theme. Yeah. yeah. Everybody has a grandpa or a parent or somebody yeah. that took them out on the, on the dock and we caught bluegills or something. Yeah. yeah
1: I, that didn't happen to me except one time visiting a uncle in Oregon. We went to the ocean. I think I was 11 and I caught like one little fish in the ocean and somehow like that, like tweaked something in my brain. And I was like, Yes. This is amazing. Why
0: Why do you think that was? I don't...
1: So it was really different. This is like s- spin fishing in the ocean. Sure. But I think there's something about the experience of just like... And this is a very spin fishing pleasure for me. Casting into like an emptiness that just seems like nothing. And you do it again and you do it again. And then suddenly like, boom, there's like something alive that just appears out of like nothingness. And I don't know, like the, the, the fact that this, this alive thing just appears out of like this big, enormous, empty looking expanse just seemed like magic to me.
0: Yeah. I think it's, I, I agree with you. I think it's a, for me, a little bit of a reminder of our connectedness to nature and all the other beings on the planet. And like you said, we've got a philosopher on, so we're, we're talking heavy, but I had a photographer on the show a while back and she was a saltwater kind of photographer and a lot of her photography she's taken from drones and it's right off the shore of Florida and these amazing fish and creatures that are swimming just 50 feet from people and it's so beautiful and it's so close. I think, you know, when you're fishing in the ocean like that, it's, you're able to kind of pull that out and see it for a second. And then, like you said, let it go. Same thing with fly fishing for me. I have a series of art that I call lifting the river and it's all paintings of people just lifting the fish out of the water. And for me, it's that connectedness. Like I was able to be a part of that world for just a little bit, not even like barely like a sliver of a part of it, but it's that just kind of moment and then it's over. You know, because you can't live underwater yeah. with fish, right? You know, but you're just tromping through there kind of clumsily trying to connect.
1: You know, one of my favorite things, it's in a John Gerak essay about hunting, not, not fishing. And he says something about like stalking a deer through the forest. And he says, because when you're there as a hunter, you're in the forest as a participant and not an audience member. And that seems like really deep to me. Like you're, you're that That is deep. Yeah,
0: Because a lot of times we talk about, is it the fish or the river that brings us, you know, but that's a good explanation of that.
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, it's a lot of this is about like how games direct your attention. Like when I, when I started rock climbing, I had never paid as much attention to the surface of rock. i had never paid as much attention to the precise balance of my body and rock climbing, like the, the skill that that forces you to focus on right made me suddenly so hyper aware of tiny ba- bits of balance tiny bits of rock same thing with fly fishing like i i don't know if have you had this experience maybe you grew up fishing but for me when i started fly fishing i realized afterwards i'd never actually seen a river like my eyes had gone over a river but i'd never seen the river and i felt something similar like when i learned to paint for the first time like i realized i'd never actually seen an apple until I actually had to pay attention to every detail, and I feel like when you're when you're fly fishing instead of like, "Oh, there's a river, it's a pretty thing, there it is what you're like is you're interrogating the river you're 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 looking at it, you're interacting with it, you're finding things about it, and like suddenly instead of do you does this make sense to you like I feel like my 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 perception goes higher grained like it's higher resolution,
0: like before it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, I I think a lot of people go to the river or go to the mountains or go to nature to find those things. But I think what you're pointing out is the deliberateness of it. Like the hunter in the woods, you're a participant, you're more than just observing it. And that is what's fascinating to me about fly fishing and hunting and, and those types of things. And why I really enjoy it. I think is is because of the participatory nature of it, and because I'm able to focus on something.
1: Yeah, the I, I maybe here's a way to put it. I felt like when I was before, when I was like hiking by the river, was backdrop. It was one thing. Oh, it's the river. Now a river is like ten thousand things. There's that seam. There's that soft water. There's that little swirl. There's that little eddy. That's good holding water. And then suddenly, like the river is this incredibly interesting alive thing instead of just this like backdrop, vaguely pretty smear.
0: Was that, was that all at once for you? Or was that a gradual process when you got started in fly fishing? Can you talk a little bit about your beginning in fly fishing and how you kind of became more observant?
1: It became, it was really slow. It's funny. My, uh, my spouse is hyper observant. She sees everything immediately. And I am not, I need things like fly fishing to like push me. Uh, I mean, I kind of think that like fly fishing, the goal of fly fishing is to catch fish. But for me, the purpose of fly fishing is to like heighten my attention to everything. And it was really slow for me. I'm not good at paying attention to nature. I tend to just let it slide. And it took me, I mean, year. this is this is my third year of fly fishing. Um I started it during the pandemic as the I can't go to the climbing gym so I need to do something. I think a lot of people started that way. And the first year, I mean, I cannot tell you how terrible I was at it. Like I I didn't have any friends that fly fished. I just like I was into it um like basically the only reason there are two reasons that I am not completely incompetent and gave up. One is YouTube and the other is my local fly shop who like took care of me and took me under their
0: wing. Which fly uh, shop was it?
1: Western rivers, you know, by okay. the rainbow whale. Okay. Amazing human beings who like. Great. That's good on to hear.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and so the first year, like, I don't know, like I, I, I didn't know how to look at the river. Um, and I was just flailing. Like my cast was terrible. My vision was terrible. And I was just flogging the water relentlessly and randomly. And then it took a really long time before I started to like be able to see the parts of the river. And I think it was like a year in before like it became the thing that it feels like where you see a part of the river or you see a fish and you're like, I want to put the cast there and I want to like drop my line this way. And then suddenly it goes like, I think it took me about a year to get to the point where I felt like I was seeing and making decisions and making intentional acts that like interacted with the river and gave me feedback. And that's when it like suddenly like opened up.
0: It sounds like your introduction to the sport was almost accidental or, uh, a part of just, I need another outlet for the sport part of my brain like you talked about the rock climbing solved that and you didn't have that so you went to fly fishing what was it about fly fishing that kept you coming back why did you keep doing it was it a a continued need for that that you just well i gotta go somewhere and and do that or what was it that kept you casting and going when in the beginning you're not catching fish
1: Uh, i think i have a theory now that it wasn't in my head before i think a lot of the times when we do games we don't actually know why we're into them. Uh, my theory is I just like every time I fish and back in California, before I was fly fishing, I was like spin fishing in the surf on the beach. And like, I would just crave that experience over and over again, even though I wasn't catching anything cause I was terrible. Um, and I think what I craved was the experience of staring at moving water for just hours. And especially during the pandemic, I was you know, I am a professor. That meant during the pandemic, teaching online Zoom classes to screens where everyone's turned off their camera. <laughs> and just oh, it in sounds
0: Doesn't sound good.
1: Yeah. It's like basically uh, like half of us became intensely depressed because all the students turned off their camera and there you are talking into the voice and like just being in my basement, staring at a screen for all day. And then like afterwards, like, you know, at least during the normal term outside of the pandemic, half my life is reading, but the other half of my life is standing in front of a classroom, getting to move around. Um, now it's just screens. And the experience, I think, of standing in a river with no words, looking at moving water 10 to 40 feet away and just having that kind of attention, like that was, it was like the opposite. It was like a massage for my brain. It was the opposite of everything that the pandemic was doing to me and my job did to me.
0: Yeah, it's a common theme. I I hear about it from multiple people that I talk to on the show. It comes up most often when I talk to people that are part of organizations that are designed to help people, like Casting for Recovery or Project Healing Waters or the Iron Freedom Foundation, Mayfly Project. All these organizations have tapped into that, whatever you want to call it, magical kind of thing.
1: This is the thing I wanted to ask you. One of the themes I've noticed in your show is... Is how often people talk about fly fishing as some kind of therapeutic activity that kind of pulls people out of depression cycles, despair cycles, and I've I've definitely found this. Like for me, rock climbing is a more ecstatic physical movement activity, like my whole body, uh, and fly fishing is much more this like intensely spiritually satisfying thing that I come out just like like my soul is refreshed and I don't know why, but I hear it in every conversation you have with people who are like, yeah, fly fishing is therapy. Do you have theories about why?
0: Well, I think there's a lot of information that's coming out, you know, about the properties of water and humans connectedness to water and things like that. Um, The folks that I've talked to in the iron freedom foundation, especially talk about that. And I have some episodes we can link to the show notes on that where they talk more specifically about it. But I think that, I think that that is just part of human nature. I think it's part of human nature that we don't experience that much. I think there's, it's like a Christmas package that's wrapped up and inside is all these things that are good for you, right? You're walking, you're getting sunlight, you're, uh, you're, solving problems with your brain a lot of times. And this is a big part of it. And this is probably my biggest theory. The biggest answer I would give you is all those other kind of, uh, what do you call them? Spiritual kind of connectedness. All those types of things are good and well, but I think the biggest reason why people find healing or is because they're reintroduced to some type of community that was lacking Uh, Especially when you talk about people that are depressed or at risk for suicide, veterans, things like that. Uh, These people, when they get to that place in their lives, I think I don't have. This is just my opinion. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I I just think that they are at a place that they've got to be lonely. You know, at least partially, at least some of the time. And if you can put them back into a place where they are not as lonely, and there's people like them who have the same background as them or maybe the same problems as them, but they also have the same uh, interests as them. Now you can be around those people tying flies every Thursday night and you have a reason to come to Thursday night fly fishing or Thursday night fly tying, or you have people calling you like, Hey, are you, where are you going this summer? You know, and, and you have both have a background in breast cancer or something. And that community I think is what really, uh, saves a lot of people or helps a lot of people. That's, that's the thing that I think I hear the most from folks that have gone through some sort of transformation or healing or, or something like that. I think that's a big part of it on, on top of those other things in the Christmas package that are more what you would expect, like, Oh, it's good to be in nature. It's good to be around water, things like that.
1: I also, I mean, I I didn't really know about like people fly tying together, but you know, I, I have this theory that one of the reasons fly fishing is so male dominated, um, is that it's like it's meditation, but a lot of dudes don't think they need meditation. So fly fishing tricks them into meditation. (laughs) that's, That's a theory. Yeah. And the, the same thing is kind of true with fly tying. So I actually have started taking my fly tying stuff on business trips because a lot of the times, you know, I'm in some hotel, I can't sleep, fly tying calms me down. And I got stopped once by the TSA and they were like, what is this? And I'm like, it's fly tying stuff. They're like, are you going on a fly fishing trip? And I'm like, no, I'm going to a business trip. And they're like, why would you bring your fly tying stuff? And I was trying to explain how it relaxed me. And they like a larger circle of TSA people were like, kind of like starting to, I don't know. Circle around me and be like, <laughs> "What's this strange stuff?" And I was like, <laughs> "Basically, it's like crocheting for dudes, okay? It's like yeah. kind of okay for dudes to do. They don't, f- but like they can sit around and it's. I mean,
0: what triggered it? Turn. Were they was it was it because you had scissors in there or what were they? Oh no, like it, just I think weird the
1: heavy like- plate of the like the the fly tying vice has the heavy plate and yeah, then yeah. the weird looking vice thing, and I think on an X ray it looks. But they got it; it made sense to them, and I I, I feel like. The, I don't know, there are, there are a lot of dudes for whom they couldn't join a crocheting circle. That's not a thing that is like a viable life option for them, but they can sit in a circle and do a really similar kind of handicraft.
0: Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I think there are some differences between men and women that generally trend towards one direction or another, you know, not not absolutes, but generalities and maybe, uh, certain men, you know, they are lean more towards these types. Same with hunting, you know? I mean, do you want to go for a hike in the woods? No. Do you want to go climb this mountain and shoot an elk? Yes. You know, like w- w- they're pretty much the same thing except for that end part, like you said. Um, but like you said at the beginning, you know, you let the fish go It maybe it's a little bit different, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I can see where that is. Reasonable theory. You don't have to go very far when you're fishing down there. You're close to the Provo. That's kind of your main waters that you fish.
1: Yeah, I am a parent. We have two young kids, so I can't like take off. Um, I fish when I when I fish. I'm like stealing time from work when we have childcare. So mostly I'm fishing. The Provo, the river that everyone's fish is, or like small little tiny streams in the mountains. Like I really learned, I think I had to adapt my interest in fishing a lot of the times. Like if the Provo is too crowded, which it often is, and I have this like 45 minute to an hour radius, then I better learn to like teeny tiny streams and teeny tiny trout or... You know, if right. I can, if I can learn to like that, if I can learn to be satisfied with <laughs> getting off a tiny cast in tight brush for a little fish, if I can make that a cool activity, then there's a wealth of wonder. If not, then I'm stuck on like a couple of rivers.
0: Well, there's different parts of the game and that's, that's something about fly fishing. That's interesting. And that I thought about when I was reading the excerpt that you sent me is all the different parts of fly fishing saltwater fly fishing, warm water species. It's not just the mountains in Utah or Montana or Colorado and trout and big trout and drift boats. And there's small creeks and there's all these different things. There's tenkara uh, or tankara. And, um, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Actually, tenkara, <laughs> I think. Tenkara. Yeah. uh, there's tankara there's, um, you know, mountain lakes that you can hike up to, or there's carp down in warm water and tarpon and all this other stuff that you can do and tying flies. And, and then there's all the gear, all the gear for the game, right? There's different rods and reels and packs and, sunglasses and clothing.
1: Yeah, One of the interesting things for me about games, I think you're totally right. And I think, I mean, I'm almost tempted to say that the thing that we call fly fishing is actually a lot of different games that are vaguely related. But um, one of the cool things about games is like, unlike the rest of life, you get to choose your game and you get to choose... Tailor the game to like how you want to play it. Like the rest of life is like, if you want to do this, you have to do all this crap. And with games, you get to, choo- you get to choose. Are you going to have an intensely intellectual abstract game? Or are you going to have a super easy chill game? Do you want a game where you sit there and have a nap and wait for your bobber to go down do you want a game where you're constantly and relentlessly moving and spending attention do you want a game where you know you're hunting for the big fish or you do you right. want the game right? sight
0: fishing or something right. like that you can take that, the that- game. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Do you think you can tailor the game of life though? Do you think that you can change that and operate outside that construct? Because that's something that I think uh, a lot more people are starting to see is that maybe, maybe I don't have to take the standardized tests and maybe at an early age, I don't have to study these types of philosophy that I'm not interested in. I'll just jump over here and I find that the internet and the connectedness that it brings allows that to be more possible. Certainly it's been my experience. I'm someone that spent all my life in the military. I mean, yeah. talk about rules, man. I've yeah. followed the rules for a long, long time. in Catholic schools before that, you know? So I'm a, I'm a rule follower by nature. I would like to say that I'm not, but I can't imagine that I am not. But the more that I see young people and the more I think about my children's future, my kids are two and eight. How old are your kids?
1: Three and six.
0: So I definitely get what you're saying with like, I only have this much time and I have to go Uh, I want to go fish or something and I want to not steal time from my kids as well. But, you know, I think about their future and I think, you know, I would hope that they are able to see life in a different way and maybe not be forced into a path that maybe they think they have to do. It's something that my wife and I talk about a lot and I think about a lot. I don't know if it's my military background or what, but I just, I want them to be able to understand that, you know, you can you can do the things in life that you're passionate about. And there's no expectation, at least from me. I mean, that's one thing that you can do at least from me and my wife. And there's no expectation from me that you have to go do these other things. Not that there's anything wrong with getting a job and making money. I think that's great. But uh, to do it because there's an expectation from people typically, but then also society, I think can lead to unhappiness and, not always sometimes you know i was lucky to i really wanted to fly airplanes in the air force i always wanted to be a fire pilot you know and it just i got lucky but that's not always the case for people right
1: yeah i mean one of the nice things about real games is that unless we're kind of screwed up we get to choose and we don't play games that aren't fun or satisfying or rewarding for us but the world, I think, offers us these things that are very game-like. They have goals, they have points, they have sure. rankings, they have metrics.
0: Money is a big part of that game, yeah. right? Because that's money. the metric. That's the GPA. monopoly,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. GPA, yeah. money, GPA. Like there's all this, and a lot of the times, I think the the worst thing that can happen to us is that we can get sucked into a game and not realize it and not realize we have any choice. And now we're playing the GPA game. We're playing the Instagram follower number game, right? We're playing the Twitter retweet game. And then we get targeted towards these things without pausing to ask if they're really the game we want to be playing. So the best, the reason I'm writing a pop book right now um, about games and the meaning of life It's called pop
0: book. What's a pop book? Popular.
1: Like my first book was like for an academic audience. This is for a larger audience. Um, I, I was giving a lecture on some of this material about games and gamifications and rankings. And I got this email uh, from an undergraduate. Uh, She's given me permission to tell the story. And she said that like talking about games and rankings in this way pulled her out of like a five-year depressive cycle because she realized she'd been caught up in playing games that she hated and she didn't really have a choice for her. It was the GPA game for, it was the weight loss game and it was the varsity athlete game. And she said those were making her miserable. And she hadn't even conceived that she had a choice of dropping out of them until she thought of it as a game where she could ask herself, is this a game I want to be playing? So she sent me a picture that said like her, her, um, She's reprogrammed the background of her iPhone and it says, is this the game you really want to be playing? She she looks at that every morning, right? And she asks herself, do I, is this a point system that I should be caring about? And I think like, sometimes the answer is yes, right? Sometimes like I step back and I'm like, is it a good thing that I like really right now am into, I don't know, the game of trying to get a big fish on a streamer? And right now the answer is, hell yes. Like the (laughs) thing that's doing to my life is super interesting and super fascinating. And there are other games I've looked at where I'm like, do I want to continue playing the game of how quickly I can advance up the status ladder of my profession? And the answer was no, this is making me miserable, right? My life is gray and sad. And I think it's really important to be able to hold these systems at arm's length and ask yourself whether that metric or ranking is something that actually makes your life and other people's life better, or whether you've just been sucked into like whatever random game the world pushed onto you and are just like chasing some points just to make... One one of my students said, it's numbers go up, right? The worst possible game is just make the numbers go up. And has your life just become numbers go up?
0: Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. That's a good story. And I'm I'm happy that you're writing the book. It sounds like uh, there's probably more people out there that would benefit from a, a, a larger audience, like you said, and, uh, breaking it down a little bit more for more people to be able to, to think about that. I think, um, I think there's a lot of that. I think that, I think sometimes there's a balance too, because sometimes people can tell themselves, I don't want to play this game because it's hard. And I definitely think that there's value in doing hard things. Uh, And so for me, when I think about that, that, that's another thing that I teach my kids as well, like hard work, you know, not hard work for hard work's sake, but if there's, there's intrinsic joy that can come from working hard on something and it doesn't always have to be, (laughs) it can almost be a game in itself. You know, I mean, I remember when I was a kid digging ditches or cutting trees down, chopping wood, things like that. Uh, and when I look back on it, there was, my dad could have done that or we, it was, it was almost like I was just being taught to like, to enjoy that for its sake, you know? And so I think that there's part of that as well. And I think that sometimes you need to just get it done. Uh, but hopefully it's towards, uh, an end that, like you said, it's a game you want to play. If you're working towards something, you're working hard towards something, it's something you enjoy, and it's almost like you're just doing it because it's not even work, right? That's the that's the thing. Find a job that you think is fun, right? And you'll never work a day in your life. If you can find a game that you enjoy playing and you can get paid for it, then maybe you never you never get caught up in that.
1: Yeah, those are I mean, that's that's a lot of the stuff I've been thinking about lately because I mean, here's the ba- basic background opposition. What's the difference between work and play, right? And what a lot of people in this – like my favorite philosopher, Bernard Suits, on games, he thinks the difference is that work is something you do because you need the outcome and play is something you do because the activity is valuable in itself. And a lot of the times, play looks a lot like work.
0: Sure. I mean, what about painters? What about – I mean – and even when I'm flying airplanes, I mean, to me, that was, dude, I mean, I, I would have done that for free. If I could have yep. fe- fed my family, I, that was it. I've been sure. doing the thing and that's all I wanted to do. It was nothing else. I could sit in the vault and study threats, weapons, tactics. I yeah. mean, fly the missions. And then it's always different parts of the game. You're upgrading, you're teaching, you're instructing. So like fly fishing, you know, there's all these different things and it's fun.
1: Okay, I think it's time. Can I can I drop a chunk of philosophy on you about games? We've
0: been talking philosophy the whole time. I keep looking at my notes and being like, "When are we going to get back to fly fishing in Utah?" But that's okay. Let's keep it going. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> We're so, going to talk a little bit about the Provo River. I got to get some stories out of you from okay. fly fishing on the river. But yeah, drop it. But
1: it'll, it'll be easier to talk about if I can give you this chunk. So here's here's a theory of games. So Bernard Suits says. Uh, This philosopher who wrote this incredible book about games says that what a game is, is voluntarily taking on unnecessary obstacles to make possible the activity of struggling to overcome them. I'll say that one more time. (laughs) Playing a game is voluntarily taking on unnecessary obstacles to make possible the activity of struggling to overcome them.
0: I wrote so, that down. I wrote that down as something <laughs> I was going to ask you about. It's in the very beginning of the right. book. It's in the very, very beginning. It's like the second paragraph you bring that up. And I was, yeah. going to, I was going to ask you about that.
1: It's crucial, right? So what he's saying is what a game is is something that's like essentially about certain constraints. Like what it is, what a game goal is, is something – okay, the technical language is a game goal is partially constituted by the constraints you have to obey to make it. So here's, here's another way to put it. If you run a marathon, right, to cross the finish line, that's not just being at a particular point of space and time. That is doing it while running a particular route, right? You're not like if you take a lift or a bicycle, you haven't crossed the finish line of the marathon, right? What it is to cross the finish line is to do like similarly, you haven't made a basket if you use a stepladder, right? Like what it is to make a basket is to do it, to throw the ball under a set of constraints. And this, I think suit says, reveals that the goals in the game, what you're pursuing in a game, isn't just about the end point, the points. It's about doing it in a particular way, in a specified way under certain constraints. Like the, what soccer is, is try to move this ball around without using your hands. And what Fly fishing is, is trying to catch fish, not using nets, not using dynamite, not using poison, not snagging, right? But to get it to eat your fly, to fool the fish. Uh, and what suit says is that this reveals that like the, what's crucial to a game is a particular method of doing something that you, what you care about is the method, right? Like I try to get to the top of a rock rock climbing using only my hands and my feet. And that reveals that what's valuable is the activity of using your hands and your feet. Um, And so, like, let me, I I should ask you, does this seem like totally obvious to you that fly fishing is a game by this definition? Or are you like, I don't know?
0: I mean, yeah, I think one of the reasons I was excited to talk to you was because I can relate to this theory uh, this theory that fly fishing is a game and that other, other things are games. And mostly because like we talked about earlier, this concept of post fish that we, I talked with Chad Van Zatten, who's an author in Utah as well on another episode. And he brought up his theory of post fish. And it's pretty much the idea of, can you actually, can you actually go fly fishing and be happy, truly happy if you don't catch fish? because you're trying to catch a fish that's you know the part of the game but there's all these other things that are going on so i mean that the the concept is interesting to me certainly and the way that you're presenting it i think is fascinating i i think that the rules of the game is interesting i think that that might be a part of why if the rules are so important that why people kind of (laughs) get some people get more over the top than others but people are can get really upset if you're like not a catch and release fisherman, right. Or if you are using barbless hooks or not barbless hooks, or if you are not streamer fishing or streamer fishing, or I'm not just going to stare at a bobber all day kind of guy. Or if you're like nymph, Euro nymphing is the way to go, or people have different ways that they like to play the game, I guess. And I think that that's cool. And I think that it kind of hurts the overall, uh, community when you start to say that the rules need when you start to put the rules on other people because everyone's playing their own game right everybody's doing their own thing and um, I think that it's wise to kind of let 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 people do their thing as long as they're being a steward of the resource and they're not making ruining it for other people you know I, I have fun man do what you like I don't care if you're dry or die or not like good for you man I mean there's no rules I I'm not the arbitrator of rules in your fly fishing experience, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean one of the this is this is okay, we're at the heart of everything I want to talk about with you right now. So I mean for me, each of these different things, dry fly only, streamer only, hunting big fish, Euro nymphing, use whatever method. Each of these is a different game because it has different constraints. And the core thing about understanding Suits' definition of games for me is seeing that for a lot of us, the reason we care about the game is that the rules and the goal shape a specific activity. They shape a way of doing things. And if you change those, you get to a different activity. And the reason you're playing the game is because you like the activity. I mean, I remember reading – uh, okay. So I like dry fly fishing and streamer fishing a lot. I don't enjoy n- Euronymphing, right? I have done it. I catch a ton of fish. I don't like it as much. I felt obligated for a while to nymph almost because, I mean, I remember reading this blog post that was like, look, what are you here to do? Like cast or catch fish, right? You're going to catch more fish this way. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess I better do it. And by the way, I should say, I'm not saying that it peop, there are people that love Euro Nymphing, it makes them happy. That's fine. But for me, being pushed to do this very different activity, right? To do something that didn't involve like long casts um, and delicate drops, but something else, it like took away a lot of the thing that I loved the most. And I realized my answer to this blog post was like. You know, the point of what I'm doing is to cast. That's why I'm here, right? Like, so let me try to put it this way. So for me, there's this huge difference between the goal of a game and the purpose that you play the game, right? So um, easy example with party games, charades, the goal is to win, but the purpose is to have fun with your friends. And you can tell because if you play charades with your friends and have a great time and then you lost, you didn't ruin your evening, right? Like you had a good time. And a lot of people, the goal, for some people, the purpose is the goal. They try to win because they want to win. Other people, I mean, I think they are obvious ones, like people take up running marathons to get healthy. In some sense, to get healthy, they have to try to achieve the goal. But it doesn't really matter if they win. What matters is that they get healthy. And one of the really interesting things about games is, for me, for a lot of us, the goals are, so I call them disposable ends. There's something you take on for a while, get really into, and then put away again at the end, right? Like when I play you a know, party game with my friends during the game, I'm into it. I'm trying to win. And then after the game, like it doesn't matter if I won, But it's not fun unless you're trying to win.
0: Do you think that's part of your personality that you're building too? Do you think that the games we choose are helping to define who we want to be like the person that runs a marathon wants to be a healthy person. So he plays games there that, that healthy people play yeah. or the people that go hunting want to be outdoors people, right? Men and women that want to be in the, in the wilderness. So they become hunters because they want to be in the outdoors or fly fishing because it's the, per, it's the person that they want to become. And maybe that's a game that they have control over. Right. Whereas, exactly. I'm a pilot or a dentist or a academic teacher of philosophy. Right. But that's not the only thing that I want to be. I have these other parts of me that I want to express. So I'm going to play the games that I want to play.
1: Yeah. I mean, let, let me, let me try to put it this way. I think a lot of the times we fixate on the goal of an activity, catching fish, making baskets, but the purpose for many of us is the process. Like, what what it feels like to be on the river, what it feels like to be looking for fish, what it feels like to be doing this delicate cast. And that's the person, the way that changes who you are is about the process that you spend hours engaged in. And I mean, does this make sense? Like, I think like what, what we're trying to do is like pick the game that plunges us into the kind of process we want to be plunged into which might make us a different kind of person like fly fishing. Oh, for Look, sure.
0: No, there's cause there's people that are not going to like to fly fish yeah. or hunt. And we can talk about all the benefits and like why it's great. And it's helping people with, you know, with PTSD or it's, it's all these beneficial things, but there's, there are human beings that are going to go out there and say, uh, uh-uh, nope. I don't want to do this right like i'm not I'm not on board. I'm not listening to fly fishing podcasts i'm not this is not what I'm doing, man. I don't want to do this, and they're different people, right and that's cool,
1: yeah, that's i mean that that's the that's the whole point of voluntary obstacles. you get to pick the process that suits you and you get to pick the process that like i think so one thing. So I'm not a dry fly or die person, but yeah, I tell
0: me more about your elv- evolution of fly fishing and how you started and where you ended up and what right. was that like for you as someone who's observing this intellectually as it's happening, I right. would imagine.
1: So I, let's see, I've been fly fishing three years. The first year I would say I wasn't really fly fishing because I wasn't like, I didn't, I didn't have, I think I didn't have a, cast and i was just kind of randomly flicking the line and it doesn't really feel like you're doing the thing if you're just like flailing and at some point i managed to get enough of a cast i was still terrible um but i started being able to get like fish to hit the fly and i still had no idea what i was doing i mostly dry
0: flies at this time it's starting mostly
1: mostly dry flies i think i have the the thing that seems to get me the most is anything visual where I get to see see the fly or like uh, a reason I think that I like dry dropper or if I'm nymphing, like shallower nymphing, if I can get away with it, is you can see the fish come up. You can see the flash. You can know that, you know, it yeah. refused you.
0: Yeah, that's um, something I talked to Pat Dorsey about is sight fishing while nymphing. And yeah. how cool that is that it's you can, so cool. I think it was Pat, I don't know, but you know, that, that was, that's a cool thing to be able like, you're not just looking at the indicator. You can actually see the fish and you're watching him feed and then you can see it take your fly. It's, it's, I'll, I'll nymph like that all day. And most people, you know, that like to streamer fish would say that that's, well, I don't know most people, but a lot of people look at that similarly.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is, so I, <sighs> I realized at some point that I was crap at all this. And then I started – the big thing I did – I don't like to practice a lot of stuff. I just like to go out there and do it. But I made myself one winter, just go out every day and practice my cast. And then when I went back to the river, it felt like a totally different activity when you could intentionally put your fly in places and like say like, oh, then you start to get feedback. Then you start to be like, oh, I think the fish is there. I got – I got a strike. Awesome. Like that, that was a good call. Um, and I just remember like my first year I could barely catch anything. And my second year uh, once in a while. So I fished the Provo, which is it's a tailwater. It's heavily pressured during the winter. You're fishing like size 20, size 22. Yeah, it's tough. gonna it be tough. Yeah. And the, the, I think my second winter I could once in a while get a fish on a dry fly during a midge hatch. And it was like, it was like glorious, amazing victory. And then the third year went by and I started like doing more casting practice. And then like, I came back and I think only this last year, does it feel like I vaguely have the beginnings of knowing what I'm doing and I can make decisions. Like I'm going to, drop the fly there and i'm gonna do an aerial mend and the loop is gonna fall that way and when i can uh, and when i can pull that off like that's that's like pure joy for me the the new discovery for me is streamer fishing i think the i missed it because of a misconception the first thing i did in fly fishing like a lot of people is stripping a woolly bugger through a lake and that felt like you know Blind casting into a lake felt kind of boring. I didn't realize until really recently how visual and active streamer fishing could be in a river. And now that that it's this thing where you're like, oh, I can see my fly. I can like manipulate it with how I'm mending it. I can like make the fly like dance and dodge and like swing and drop and pause and then like (laughs) make a decision about where to move that fly and get a fish to hit it. That's been the the, the jam lately.
0: Do you remember a time or uh, a day on the river or when you progressed significantly where you kind of made that leap or was it just the casting that really did it? Or was there a day where you're like, Oh, it came together for me?
1: Oh, I, I totally, I remember two within the last year that felt like these transformative leaps. Like- Let's hear about it. Let's hear it. One, I mean, okay, this will this will make me sound like a competitive jerk. I'm normally not competitive,
0: but this <laughs> is I wouldn't say you're a competitive jerk. That's not what I would label you as, but in my brief I, brief introduction to you, <laughs> to you. Thank you, sir.
1: Um so the winter, I was fishing the provo. Um and again, just remember this. Within I I'm like just two years out from being the lousiest possible caster that can't even make the line go straight. Um It's winter on the Provo, midges are hatching, ultra glassy water. Uh, There's a good pool, two other fishermen are on it. I drop back and I fish out some other pool. And there, I hear them talking, they walk by and they're like, oh, there's a fish rising up there. There's just one. We cast everything at it for like two hours. We couldn't get it to take. And I got there.
0: Were they saying that nicely or are they just being... Yeah, they were like, go for it, go for it. Go check it out. We give up.
1: Um, <laughs> okay. That's and cool. so I get up there and I'm like, okay, I see the problem. And this is one of these experiences of like having my vision change because I, it's recent enough that I know like a year ago, I would have looked at this man like, whatever, and just started flogging the water. And here was like, okay, I can see there's only one casting position. Uh, it's on, it's in the soft water on the opposite side. I'm going to cross, cast across, and there's like two different current seams that are slightly different. And I realized that I would need to do like, an aerial mend with an S curve in it. Right. So the line would go loop to the left and loop to the right. Um, and if I did it just right and dropped the fly on target, I might get like a five second clean drift. And I did it on the and first And you cast. did it. Okay. <laughs> and it took it. And I was just like, Oh my God. Because like so much of my earlier fishing career until I figured out how to cast had been, randomly flogging the water until like some tiny fish that like didn't care about a bad bad presentation would take it. Yeah. And actually like making an intentional act like that was just like
0: bliss. It's tactical. You're doing something. You're getting in it. I like it. I mean, (laughs) I want to talk to you more about tactics. Give me, do you tie? Have you gotten a tie?
1: I love tying i actually okay. uh, i didn't realize this uh i at first i just tied instrumentally like academics don't make much money flies are expensive i'll fly i can kind of do the tie and yeah. I, I can tell you exactly what changed i ended up i couldn't get my uh x caddis right and so i found like i was googling and i found like kelly Gallup's channel and that dude is like a master teacher <laughs> And someone who understands what's up, like I, I feel like I, I, I hear oh, him saying yeah. these, these videos where he says things like, "Well, this fly it won't catch you the most fish; it won't catch you the biggest fish, but it's fun as hell to fish." And I'm like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah, I, he has a lot of videos where I yeah. just want to, you know, do a little cheer when he's yeah. talking about different reels or different yeah. fly fishing vests and stuff." He's like, "I don't know this; I don't understand why people use this." Or these reels are all pretty good and. It's just refreshing. Yeah, He's a, it's a refreshing voice in fly fishing for sure.
1: He definitely seems to see the reason behind things instead of like functioning dogma. But I, like I think a lot of – he has a very like enjoy the process, do it slowly and carefully, not necessarily because it – I mean it'll make your fly better, but enjoy the process of fly tying. And that like – pushed me to the point where suddenly instead of like, I'm trying to tie these flies really quickly so that I can not be spend as much money at the fly shop, my God to like, Oh, this is like, this has a lot of the same like joyful attention. Like, Oh, especially like, you know, picking the deer hair, having it feel right, getting the, getting your attention just right to get it to lift or spin. And I, at some point, like I broke through, there too and once i had enough like grain where i wasn't just doing random stuff to desperately not have the fly fall apart but could make like decisions about oh i want this kind of hair because it'll lift this way it 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 has i think i know they're kind of different activities but they kind of have the same like attention heightening detail orientation pleasurable movement feel thing and they go really well together for me
0: yeah. Like you were talking about goal versus purpose. You're kind of working to the same thing. It's part of the same thing. And that's why I think a lot of people like fly tying as well, myself included and why I got more into tying when I was in Missouri. Cause I was fishing less, but I felt like I was still doing the thing when I was tying flies, um, uh, top two dry flies and streamers that you like to fish on the Provo. Um, that That's you can tie, the, that are that are not too tough to tie. Streamers, right. uh, I'll give you streamers that can be harder. I'm not as yeah. great at tying streamers, but.
1: I think I have a special place in my heart for the X-Caddis. I mean, everyone knows it, but it's such a simple pattern, but it also feels like, like an omelet. Like I learned to cook. Uh, I'm in front of this like wall of cookbooks, which. Uh,
0: <laughs> I know before uh, the show, I was like, look at all those philosophy books back there. You're like those are my cookbooks, dude.
1: So like a French omelet, it's super simple, but like you need the technique right. And if the technique is right, it's easy, but there's all the stuff you can do wrong with it. And the X is the same. Like, I just, I don't know. I feel like if you can get your tension right and get just the right lift of the hair, just tying that thing is pure pleasure. And then you take it on the river and it, it's like the simplest thing and it just works. Okay. Like it's magic. All right. What else? Um, I have recently really gotten into Kelly Gallup's Zoo Cougar, which is a you know that fly, yeah. It's a it's a beautiful fly, like it's super elegant to tie. Um, it has this like weird slim profile, but if you if you know it, it's one of these patterns that uh, is designed with this like super floaty deer head and the really light back, and it's designed to be fished after a sink tip or some kind of heavier streamer and it's so it's so unstable that every little bit of twitch you give to your rod makes it like flicker and move around and it's just it's just fun as hell to fish like like if you get in tune with it you can just make that thing look so alive and yeah i just get into it
0: But it's uh one more dry fly that you like to tie that works uh, one, down down there for one more dry problem.
1: fly that i like to tie um I like the bionic ant a lot. It's a an lantern. Okay. Powder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's the, if you, if you all don't know the bionic ant, it's like this, one of those foam tubes that you just like lash down and then you give it a little like polyfiber wing. And I think I like it because, you know, there's a way in which like, the woolly bugger and the Adam's parachute are these kind of generic bugs. And I feel like the bionic ant is your ultra generic terrestrial. Like, I, I don't know why they call it an ant. If you actually look at it from underneath, kind of looks a lot like a stonefly, and it kind of looks a lot like a grasshopper. And it kind of looks a little bit like a beetle. And it just like, I like the way that the simple pattern just is so suggestive of all kinds of like long, thin, bigger insects and I find that pleasing.
0: Well, it's easier to see too. My problem with ants a lot of times is I can't see them. And so if I don't put something on there or get something with something on there that I can see, um, and you know, probably part of that is my casting, but sometimes, you know, in the shadows, (laughs) dark black, you know, nothing. It's hard for me to see those, those bad johnnies. sometime. Do you have a most memorable fish or a, a day on the river that stands out in your mind as, Uh, particularly rewarding? Um,
1: Yeah, pretty recently. I mean, I've been starting the streamer game. I've been trying to actually uh, started tying them first because I was watching Gallup's channel. I was like, I guess I better learn to fish these things. I've mostly been fishing (laughs) dry flies. And I was just, at first I was just doing the standard like swing and then learning that I could manipulate it a little bit. And I had another one of these breakthrough moments. I think I had just swung it by this um, underwater boulder and I saw something flash at it and kind of retreat. And I was just like, oh, I'd just been learning to manipulate the streamer with men's on the floating line. And I was like, oh, I, I think I see what you can do. And so I like dropped it on the bank and gave it some Upstream men's to let it drop without coming towards me. And then just at the right moment gave it the downstream men to get it to like suddenly turn and swim right across the base of the boulder. And then an upstream men to get it to turn and stall out right where it you know So it switched that directions.
0: While. So the yeah, kind of yeah, switched got directions
1: and stopped and stalled yeah. and dropped a bit. And the fish took it. And I was like i get it it was like galaxy brain like oh my god this is not just like swinging and stripping like there's so and then like spent just the rest of the day like i didn't get that many fish but it was the experience of suddenly grasping something new
0: knowing how to do it yeah you're you're not just blindly throwing streamers you got a technique a tactic that you're using yeah uh If you could only fish the Provo two days, which two days would you fish it? How would you fish it? And then Um, we're going to get back into philosophy. Okay. Um,
1: I have become the kind of perverse person that (laughs) loves – I have come to love the late February cold-ass mid-hatch, like glassy water – I mean, my, my early experience fishing was something like, oh my God, I can't catch anything. I just need to go to the smallest stream with the dumbest fish to even have a chance. And now and at some point I switched over to like being so, on some small stream, catching a lot of fish, being like, I think I'm, I think I'm bored. I think I miss the Provo in winter. Am I sick? <laughs> What's yeah. wrong with me? Yeah. Yeah. That experience, glassy water, sipping fish, precision Cold. casts. Okay. Love that. And then- uh, Late summer days on the Provo, where I, I, I mean, especially lately, I like, um, you get a morning with like an aggro streamer bite and then shifts into an afternoon where you can like either they're like eager to eat caddises or they're eager to eat hoppers. And like, I think like one of them is like super relaxed, fun, like dry fly and streamer fishing and lots of action. And the other is like, I don't know, grueling. I, I also like in the winter the fact that I, I feel like I barely survived it. Like it's cold as hell and I barely, and like I feel alive suddenly. <laughs> and I did this intensely hard thing. So yeah, those are the two days in the Provo and they're like spiritually opposites.
0: Those are good days. I want to talk to you more about this concept of uh, the focus and the purpose i guess and one of the things that i like about fly fishing that i've mentioned on the show is you know, people talk about escape and you've got a section in the book or section you sent me about games and artificiality and i kind of yeah. equate that in my mind a little bit to the escapism or people are like i'm going there to escape my job or my stress or level out my emotions or a lot of the things that we talked about earlier, which are spiritual aspects of fly fishing. And I've always had this kind of, I don't know, not rejection of that idea. I think that's fine. But for me, I've, I've kind of rejected that idea for myself. I don't know. I, I look at, I am not going to the river to escape things. I'm going there to focus on things. And it's something that when I was flying in the air force that I, that i I learned that that is what I liked about it was this, there's nothing else going on. I'm completely absorbed in the moment. I'm completely doing this thing. And I guess a byproduct of that is that I'm not thinking about these other things. So maybe it's a catch 22, or maybe I'm saying the same things differently, but I wonder if you can talk to focus and purpose with, with relation to the game of fly fishing and what, what your opinions are on that? Because I, like I said, I just, I see fly fishing the most valuable thing. One of the two most valuable things about it for me, we'll talk about the second one in a minute, but one of the two is just this intense ability to be present and how hard that is to find sometimes with just where we're at with society and phones and all that stuff.
1: I mean, that's the most important question. And I mean, I, I have two answers for you. One is that it's just, in a sense an escape. And another is that it's the opposite of an escape. It's the real thing. It's life. So there's, there's, a, there's a clear sense in which it's an escape. And I think this here's the thing. Every focus is also an exclusion. What it is to focus is to shut everything else out. And for me, the characteristic experiences of games is absorb focus. Like a game tells you – so in normal life, there are all these things to worry about. All these new things that could show up. All these things that – you I mean you're trying to be like a parent and have fun fishing and chase your career and keep your house together. And a game lets you focus. It says here's the one thing that's important. Make baskets. Get to the top. Catch fish. It's all that's important. And so you get – You do get, I think, the very nature of games gets you this reprieve from the complexity of, like, how much crap there is to think about and how much stuff there is to do. You get clarity. And I think fishing in particular, because you're away and because it's so centrally intense, like, there's so much to spend your attention on. You can just focus all day. That's why I think it's an escape. The reason I think it's not an escape
0: is okay. if you think it's not... If you now think, you're on my side. That, okay. That, cool. Okay. Now you're on my side. I mean, what you say makes total sense, but right. let's hear the flip side.
1: Uh, you think it's escape. If you think it's an escape from reality, then what you think is your work life is real and your play, hobby, fun, joy life, that's the fake stuff. That's the stuff you do on the side. And I think the particularly pernicious way of thinking is something like, well... This is just something I do on the side so I can like refresh myself and go back to work, which is the real thing. And I think what Bernard Suits was talking about, he was trying to say, I mean, okay, this will go super philosophy, but he was trying to say what Aristotle said. Aristotle said that the point of life is what he called autotelic activity. That's activity done for its own sake. So it's not instrumental activity, activity that you're doing to get something else. It's activity where the doing is the important thing. And he thought that's where meaning in life came from. This is – remember I told you that suit argument that like in utopia when you solved all your problems, what would you do with your life? You would finally get to just do the kinds of struggle that you like to do. You would like – get to have voluntary struggles and the difficulties that you took joy in. That's the heart of it. (laughs) And so that's that's –
0: yeah, but that's that's almost like you you describe that as utopia, right? But I mean, is that possible? I mean, is that possible to reach? That's the post fish question: Is yeah. it actually possible to do that? Because whatever game you're playing, there's a goal as well. Right. So there's always something, right? There's the, the goal versus person, per- the goal versus purpose argument that you're making earlier. Like yeah. you're always kind of doing something. You have a an end, right? Sort of. I mean, well,
1: I think. But it's not always voluntary, right? Like, so if you have to work some crap job for money, that's a goal that the world is pushing on you, and a method the world is pushing on you, and you have to do it, and you didn't necessarily choose it because fulfilling.
0: Yeah, that's the obvious one. But what I'm saying is, the less obvious one is when you go fly fishing. Yeah, are you are you ever really absent of that? Are you ever actually in a utopia state where you're I'm just doing it for the doing of it is
1: I mean that... I think yeah I think that's that I mean here's I think fly fishing is the closest we get to utopia for those <laughs> that like it. all right that's the
0: it's... end of the show wrap it up <laughs> wrap it up that's fly fishing I mean, no, is the answer it's the meaning of life that's what did, we got do, to
1: does that make sense like I mean it's the real yeah. thing Doing something because the activity is valuable to you is the thing. That's reality. That's that's when life is good.
0: I know. But I'm saying if, like, let's say you're going to – it makes you feel good to, like, help out and volunteer time for charity or something. And yep. it's a selfless act, right? Yep. But there's selfishness in selflessness sometimes because whether you know – I mean, it makes you feel good, right? Yep. So you're, I'm doing it. Is that selfish? Like. <laughs> right i'm it's it's not really um a bad thing to be right. helping people but you know that it's going to make you feel good that might not be the reason why you do it but it's definitely involved in the equation you know it's uh, it's part of the response as part of the the outcome
1: uh this is okay do you know what i'm saying totally this is where i'm gonna go super philosophy dude on you aristotle has an answer to this he thinks that like that, that we had this other, we've had this other conception that has become more popular. That's like, look, what's good is sacrifice. Like, you know, you can't take pleasure in things. That's selfish. Like, do good for others. I think right. what Aristotle says is. A good person is one that takes pleasure in doing good for others. That's not selfish. That's the height of being a good person.
0: That's just being a good dude. That's what (laughs) what
1: it is. Like, don't feel guilty that you feel good for helping other people. I'm not saying you should feel
0: guilty. I'm not saying you should feel guilty at all. I'm just saying that there is that. There is always another part of it, right? So with fly fishing, sometimes I wonder, you know, is it possible for me to be post-fish? Can I ever really get out here and just, you know, I'm going to catch fish. It's part of the game. Right. And I certainly feel like I'm progressing more when I'm catching fish. And that's the next thing I want to talk to you about is progression. Yep. But, you know, I guess that for me is, is part of the game that I like.
1: The, um, the, I want to talk about post-fish for a second because I didn't say the thing that I was thinking. I was listening to your podcast with Chad about post-fish. And I think what uh, – you both were kind of puzzled by the state of like fishing but not caring about fish, right? Like like what what did he say be, being post-fish was? Like not caring how many fish you get?
0: I, uh, yeah, I don't want to misquote him. But I mean the gist of the conversation is – kind of just like what you're saying, doing the thing to be doing the thing, not, not to be catching fish. Like if you look at the game of fly fishing, just on a daily, the day that you go fly fishing, that's the day we're going to play the game of fly fishing. And you say, I'm doing all these things. Right. And the goal, uh, is to catch a fish, but the purpose is different, right? Like I'm not, that doesn't, if I don't catch a fish, I could still have had a nice night playing charade. It's like you were talking about earlier, yeah. right? Like I can still have had a good experience, but yeah. the goal is to catch fish. Um, I guess what he's, I guess the, the thing that I took from it is, can you, can you really get to a place where you're not disappointed as much right. when you're fishing? Like if you're actually, no, that's fine. You know, because if you just went fishing, fly fishing every day and never caught a fish, how long would you go fly fishing? If you just never, ever caught a right. trout. Right. Yeah. You're going to keep playing the game no, that would
1: be atrocious.
0: Right. So, I, don't wait, I, I, would. St- I don't think I would. I don't think I would. And that makes a, me think that maybe I'm not, right. you know,
1: I have an, I have an answer for you that I've been thinking about since I heard this podcast so, uh, about post fish. So I think you, you all had, you were thinking about two options. One was you really care about fish. The other is you kind of, you just don't care at all about catching fish. But I think there's a third option. Um, the disposable end option that you care about something temporarily during the game and then afterwards you stop caring about it. And I think a lot of the times what's interesting about game our purposes in games is you can't get the thrill unless you really care about the thing during the game. Right? Ah oh,
0: like, dude, yes. Okay. That makes right. a so, lot of sense. So think about this. Yeah. So
1: I have this example in my book about so I play board games with my wife. We're really well matched. And it's really thrilling, and it's only thrilling if you care about winning. But if I really wanted to win, like galactically, what I would do is read a hell of a lot of strategy guides and get way better. But I don't do that because the game would be boring. And so what we do is we get ourselves to care temporarily during the game or it won't be thrilling. Yes. But afterwards, we step back and we're like, that doesn't really matter. What matters is that I had a really interesting game, a really fun time. Yeah. So you can't, I think like it's impossible to get the thrill if you don't care during the game, but then you can put away the goal afterwards. And I think this also like, this also matters for your other thing about why, about why we, uh, about it would suck if we didn't catch any fish because you wouldn't like, there'd be no feedback loop. You'd never get an interaction right? You,
0: well, yeah, that's progress. And that's, like I said, I want to talk to you about that, yeah. but yeah, keep going. Keep going. I mean,
1: I, I guess it's that, okay. One of the things I've noticed that I do is I modulate the game I play to get the right level of difficulty. So if fish aren't biting in any way, right? If it's super hard on like yeah. the high fire streamer, then, you know, I'll start nymphing and then I'll start catching some fish. And then now it's a game again. Now it's an activity. If you get to the point where fishing – things just get easy, I think a lot of us – I do it consciously, but I think a lot of people do something else. They kind of change the constraints of the game um, to make it hard again. So for me, the place I found this was – I've gone in the last three years from being in the mountains, fishing the upper Provo. um, The first year, I could barely catch fish. Second year, I could catch some fish. Now, it's just easy, right? Little fish hitting dry flies. And yeah. at some point it got so easy. I was like, okay. And then I changed the game to fishing large articulated streamers on a small stream, hunting the few big fish. And yeah. then suddenly it got like really hard and interesting again. So I do think we like modulate it to get the right level of interaction, but also difficulty for our joy.
0: Yeah. I think that's very insightful. And, um, you know, they, they, people say, when you're setting goals that you should set goals that are difficult, but not so crazy out of reach that it's impossible. Right. You don't say I'm going to, I've never been a runner and I'm going to run ultra marathon next year. Right. Because it's just so out of the realm of possibility, but you, it needs to be hard. If it was, I'm going to walk across the street, that's not hard enough. So there's a balance and that's different for everybody. And like, what you said that makes the most sense. So I've got my going to my son's soccer game later today and I tell my son, how do we play? How do we play the game? Hard to the ball, hard to the goal. And I say, are we trying to win? Yes. Are we sad if we lose? No. Those are the three questions I tell my son when he's going to play the game of soccer. And it's exactly what you just said, right? We want to win. You're trying to win. If you didn't care about winning, it wouldn't be fun to play the game. You just be yep. out there, You know, so you have to really, I think you do, that that part of it is while you're in the moment when you're playing the yep. game, when you're playing charades, you want to win the game and it can get competitive and you can laugh and yep. cheer and all those things. But when it's over, if you're mad at your neighbors because they won charades, you're a jerk. You know? Exactly. <laughs> that is exactly,
1: that is literally something that I have a chapter about in my book. If you yeah. don't try to play the game hard you're kind, during the game, you're kind of a jerk because you're not participating. If you're mad at your neighbor afterwards – You're also you don't get what games are,
0: right? So here's here's you can care about the fish while you're fly fishing and still be somewhat post fish, I guess, because then afterwards you can say that's fine, but I'm going to maybe adjust the game next time to where I can catch some fish. You know what I mean?
1: Yep. So you know, (laughs) I can tell you. So I I had traced thinking about goals and purposes to. Uh, since that's what my whole book is about, to like 10 years ago when a mentor of mine casually said something like, well, you know, the goal of playing bridge with your friends is to win, but the purpose is to have fun with your friends. But then I realized there's an earlier place I found it. I was rereading a book that I know I read 20 years ago, John Trout Bum. I know I read yeah. it. And there is... A chapter where he talks about maybe it's, not, it's one of his books where he says you go you spend all day fishing you're skunked you're walking back they're like de- you pass deer you're like looking at the skies and then you realize you're all bummed and then you feel better as you leave and that's when you remember that catching fish is the goal but not the purpose of fly fishing that's i think yes. <laughs> i stole the whole idea from john gerak
0: that's right. Well, that's a worthy uh, mentor. So that's good. Um, okay. So the last thing I wanted to talk to you about, maybe not the last thing, but is this concept of progress? Because that's probably the second thing that yeah. is super valuable to me personally, and maybe this yeah. is a selfish kind of direction. But I think that focus that I feel and then the progression of it and the, the concept that I can progress over time that it's something that I can get better at. That for me, because of my background, probably it's something that I value in life and not just for myself, but I like to, I want to exemplify that for my kids too. I want to show them something that if you work hard at something that you enjoy over time, you'll get better. And if you're having, if you get joy from the thing you're doing, you can progress and, and ultimately like play the game of life. You can be happy doing what you want, right? It's not, I don't want them to ever feel like, well, I don't, I can't make any money as a musician. So I'm not even going to go down that road because it's not true. You can, and people do. Uh, and for whatever reason, some people listen to those voices and don't others do, uh, or others don't, but progression in fly fishing to me is a, a small way of doing that. And I think that that is what makes me keep coming back is knowing that even if I didn't catch a fish that day, or if I didn't have a great day or whatever reason, fish got off, didn't land a big fish, some, some small loss in the game over time, those days add up. And I like knowing that on the backside of a decade of fly fishing or two decades or three decades, I will progress in the game and get better. And I don't know, maybe that's selfish or, but I just, I just like knowing that I'm always kind of getting better at it, you know, a little bit better all the time. So,
1: I mean, okay, let me, so, um, so in, in my book, the core distinction is between two kinds of play, achievement play and striving play. So yep. if you're playing a game, you can achievement. You can play it for two reasons. Achievement play is you actually care about winning. You just want to be the winner or you want money or you want to be the champion. Striving play is temporarily getting yourself to care about winning so you can have the joy of the struggle. Right? Yeah. Um, both are possible. I think you can have the same two views about progression. You can progress because it's important to be good or you can progress because you like the experience of progressing you find it yeah. satisfying and i think they give you very different things so like i i think i can um there are things where i would progress more quickly that fit my talents like i'm not a good sportsman or athlete i'm much better at you know academic junk so if i really wanted to progress that's where i should put all my energy right but I find the progression sequence in fly fishing really enjoyable, really thrilling, really coherent to get these like little crystallizations. And so I'm progressing, but it's because – does that make sense? I'm progressing because I like the progressing itself, not yeah. because there's some end point of being good at this absurd skill that actually matters.
0: Yeah, I think just the concept of it never ending. Like there's a book by Simon Sinek called The Infinity Game. And the concept, it's kind of a, uh, you know, from what I can gather, a a book about in business and life, like always just kind of, it's not like a game that you can win, right? It's this concept that you're talking about. If you're playing to win, you assume that there's an end and there's people that are not playing that game. They're playing a different game altogether and they've got the advantage of long-term strategy here in their corner. Right. And we see this in military operations as well. Like if you have the time and space and you're just not ever going to quit, like you've got a big advantage, right. Especially in, um, non-conventional warfare and stuff, but that's a totally different subject. We're not going to go any further (laughs) down that road, but, uh, I, I, I was just wondering what your thoughts are on the infinity game or the idea of fly fishing as an infinity game. And maybe we can wrap up a little bit of of your thoughts on that and Mm. kind of your, your final take on fly fishing as a game, Mm. a never ending game.
1: Yeah. I just think there's some games that people make that are really easy to learn, but they tap out after a while. Like they, they kind of get boring. There are other games and i feel like fly fishing is one of these that are so hard there's so much to learn that you can spend your life continuing to progress that's one of that's and if you like the feeling of progression if you like that experience then it's really neat to find one of these things that keeps giving and i think there so not everything is like this some things as you get better they turn boring and i think fly fishing for me like some of my favorite games like rock climbing like go um As you get better, the activity becomes more interesting. Like, I'm, have you had experiences like this? I feel like the more I can see detail in the water, this, this is the granularity resolution thought. The more a pool doesn't look like one kind of water, but like 15 kinds of water, the more there is for me to think about. And there are more, there, there are more choices I'm making. And so the activity kind of like, opens up and how exciting and interesting and rich and textured it is and so there's this neat loop that fly fishing seems to have where it does because of the kind of game it is it just keeps getting better as you progress Um, not everything is like that a lot of life isn't like that
0: uh that's true (laughs) i agree with you anything else you want to pass along about uh, your book or before we start wrapping it up, how can people find out more about you? Maybe get a copy of the book or look into your work. And then of course, if anything else that you want to pass along about the philosophy of games that you don't think we've covered, we covered a lot, but if there's something we, we missed, let's get it out now T.
1: um, Oh, okay. I got, I I have something, I, I have something to say, but, uh, first, uh, I tweet at, uh, at, uh, at, um, ad hoc a d d underscore h a w k uh my website is objectionable.net uh you can find links to all these weirdo articles i have about games and gamification and twitter there uh okay. my book is called my first book is called games agency as art it's about all games and it's about the value of games and all the stuff we've been talking about uh, that's on um that's on uh, you can get that on amazon And, um, I, okay. I have, I I have a thing that I I think, uh, I've been thinking about, um, for our whole conversation. Uh, there's a, there's a really large, big scale way to say it. And then a tiny, possibly controversial thing to say about fly fishing. So the big thing, the big thing is like, if there's anything, if I can sum up this whole thing, (laughs) it's that what games teach us is that what's valuable in life is the process and that a lot of the times we get tricked into thinking, no, no, we have to have these clear outcomes. We have to make the number go up. And the the pleasure of games is that we can find a place where the activity is really satisfying for us. And this is like, this is why I was talking in the beginning. I mean... I guess the thing to say is I feel like I've run into more and more people in fly fishing who, because of their sense that they have to catch as many fish as possible, are doing something they don't enjoy or love, right? For some people, catching as many fish as possible is the thing they like. But I've run into some people on the Provo who seem, like, tormented and, like, sad because (laughs) they need to catch a lot of fish. They, They don't like the thing they're doing. They think it's what they need to do. Right. And I guess the the point is, if you understand that it's a game, you understand you can, like, shift around the rules and shift around what you're trying to do. And so it makes you happy. Sure.
0: I guess the question is, are they happy in the parking lot? If right. you're in the parking lot driving home and they're like, ah, pissed right. off or they're breaking their rod or something, then maybe – because otherwise, maybe they're just – playing the game really hard and they're just really upset, right? Like the soccer player that gets so pissed or so upset Mm -hmm. during the game that he's, you know, arguing with the ref or whatever, but afterwards he just chills and goes back to his condo in London and does whatever he wants, you know?
1: I think, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. And that it's hard to see on the surface because sometimes the really good games are the ones that make us super frustrated yeah. during it and that frustration and then the the explosive joy later that's part of the loop we like but i think i mean i'm thinking about this conversation i overheard at the fly fishing shop where some guy was like you know i don't really enjoy your nymphing but you know it's just much more efficient so i feel like i have to do it but it's <laughs> kind of boring
0: okay and i was like that's perfect yeah that's a perfect right. example yeah
1: yeah i was like I think the different games in fly fishing are like different sports. You don't say like, well, I like soccer more, but I'm going to play basketball because there are more points in it, right? Like each different scoring system and rule system creates a different activity and you do it because you like it. (laughs) If you love Euro-nymphing, do it. That's awesome. If it bores you, don't feel
0: compelled
1: because you need to make the numbers go up. Right. Because it's just a game and you can play the games you
0: want to play. Yeah, Yeah. Exactly. All right. T last question. And by the way, we'll link to all that stuff in the show notes so people can find out more about your book and your theories and, um, follow you on Twitter and such last question. If you could go back to when you first started fly fishing and give yourself two pieces of advice, one more tactical and one more, dare I say, philosophical, (laughs) (laughs) what would you tell yourself to help you progress as a fly fisher?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, tactically i think it would be every cast as a presentation cast i think when i started fishing i was like i was flogging i was going randomly i wasn't really thinking about it and once in a while in a specific situation i'd be like okay i have to do something special here and i think the thing that helped me the most was thinking like no every cast you're making a decision you're doing something you're making making a decision about where the line should lay and where the slack should go and if you take the thought that you should do it every time like that it it makes it makes you better but it also like makes the whole thing richer and fuller sure yeah philosophically i think it's like i don't know uh you can actually at least for me learn to savor almost all the parts of fly fishing, not just. So when I started, I was really narrow. I was like, the good part is the fishing and the cat, the casting, like all this other crap, like (laughs) tying the damn knots, tying the flies, like, like that's all stuff I have to do. And I think when I later found like, no, I can take joy in a nicely tied knot. I can take joy in like the, like there's a lot of, not everything still like it's, I I still can't enjoy untangling a line, but (laughs) if like you can find a way to like do with kind of attention and care a lot of the other little stuff, then I think only lately have I come to learn that like I can actually broaden my scope of the thing that's cool about the activity and then it just becomes like, instead of like the, the fishing experience being me like racing through all the stuff that's in my way to being actually casting, it's like, no, this whole thing is fun. Now I'm rigging up. Do it right. Do it neatly.
0: Very cool. T, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. I really enjoyed talking with you. I'm so glad that there's folks like you thinking about this type of stuff <laughs> that, uh, like you said, that it hadn't been covered a lot and you, you found something that you were passionate about and philosophy. And, and I agree that there, there probably needs to be more thought into, uh, games and, uh, certainly inwardly, I'm thinking about the games that I play more now, having had this conversation and why I play them, uh, and in the importance of them. So, Thank you very much and I wish you all the best with your new book and on the river. Thank you man. Thanks for listening to the wade out there fly fishing podcast. You can learn more about some of the topics we discussed in today's episode show notes. For more fly fishing ideas, stories and artwork, check out my blog and online gallery at wadeoutthere.com. If you want to make Wade Out There a part of your own fly fishing journey, please subscribe and share. Until next time, Wade Out There.